As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Swing and a wide drive, base hit right field. Max Scherzer has done it again. Do you believe it, Howie Kendrick? Part two. The celebration is on. The Washington Nationals are the world champions. We never thought we'd actually have this moment. It felt like it was just time was a, a, a flat circle, and we continued to go around and around and around. But finally, baseball and specifically the Nationals are back. It's the Nationals Talk podcast. And this will be the first one, Chase Hughes, Todd Divas, Nick Ashew, that we can actually have where we're talking about the potential of baseball-related conversation and games. We're not actually talking about games just yet. That'll be in July. But we are at the point now where baseball is back. And I just want to take a deep breath and just enjoy the moment to be able to finally say, Todd, it's official. It's not, well, maybe, but what if? You're not going to miss all the proposals? No, I, I, I stop it, Chase. I, I don't want to do any of it. See, <laughs> here's the problem, Todd, because I knew this was going to happen, is that Chase is going to do this, and he's going to make jokes about it the entire time, and I don't want it. We don't want to go down that road anymore. I can't, even, I can't stomach one more day of what if. And by the way, if anybody knew behind the scenes what it took for us to get these podcasts going when the news was changing oh, daily, you have no idea how almost impossible it is to do something like that when people can't make up their minds. Nick, are you proposing that we don't talk about it? <laughs> is that your proposal? You're the worst. <laughs> um, yeah, it is nice, obviously, to not be talking about they rejected this or someone said that and um, the, all, the, all the grumpy pants everyone was wearing for three months. <laughs> grumpy pants, and, I like that. Yeah, during, during uh, what became quite a spectacle, uh, a, a big batch of nonsense, a bad look for the league ongoing poor optics tremendous waste of time um public bickering and set the table for a terrible terrible 2021 negotiations to come but that is over for now for the time being it's over until we start getting our very limited access to players and start asking them about it today for this podcast we can talk about Spring training 2.0 is supposed to start on July 1st and how that is going to be managed. Uh, we have some sense of how the schedule is going to look and we, we can talk about that. Just, but just the overarching idea I want behind everything, at least that I talk about today, is the fact that just because there's a beginning doesn't mean there's going to be an end. 
this is not an out of the woods situation. It's a, we have some basic framework to start moving forward and see how it goes. Um, there's still a lot of things that are unanswered in the health protocol document. There's still a lot of things that are unanswered just in general of how they're going to be able to pull this off, if they're going to be able to pull this off. And there's no perfect answer right now. So they're going to do the best they can. But yes, we are not talking about this person put out a statement and this person tweeted at 11 o'clock and um, the commissioner makes a guarantee and walks it back and all that other <laughs> stuff uh, is the S word I'll use here. Stuff that went on uh, the last couple months. Well, obviously, I'm happy that baseball is returning. I think at this point, I'll take anything that I can get. You know, uh, as this, as we've moved into the summer and you've got holidays like Memorial Day and Father's Day and July 4th coming up, you know, you're reminded, I think, more and more that baseball is missing. So I'm happy about that. I'm not surprised that it kind of went this route for it to get done because I just had a feeling that the players were going to have to concede. I mean, at the end of the day, the owners of the owners, they have uh, the most power here. And the players, uh, you know, were basically forced into this, right? 60 games, 102 fewer than we're used to. So that's not good. But it's still 60 games of baseball. And, you know, I was looking at Max Scherzer's baseball reference page yesterday, writing an article. And I realized he turns 36 next month. You know, I want to keep watching Max Scherzer pitch. I want to see Juan Soto play. I want to see him do the, the Soto shuffle. So I'm happy about all that. Looks like we'll have to wait another month. You know, baseball is uh, still going to get out there, I think, a week before the NBA. So they should be the first major sport returning, which would be uh, a great moment to watch on TV. We've talked about how, how baseball could, uh, could, could be maybe the right sport to do that because uh, of, the, you know, how, it, how it's been woven into American history and the role it played after 9-11 and um, stuff like that. So that'll be cool. And also – you know, we now have, uh, an, I guess, uh, an end date for when the Nationals, I don't know how to frame it, can celebrate their World Series, right? Does it start at training camp or does it end at training camp, I should say, or does it end on opening day? And the reason why I'm asking is because I need to know how long the Nats Twitter account can continue tweeting uh, World Series champion everything, World Series champion team chef, World Series champion grounds crew and stuff like that. Todd, when, when does that, when's the deadline for that? <laughs> Um, I mean, there's an easy remedy. The deadline for me was when I unfollowed that account like a, more than a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, you know, it's easy enough. You, you guys will have to let me know what it says. Yeah, you, you do realize <laughs> that until there's a new champion or the Nationals win again, you get to continue to call them World Series champions and defending World Series champions, right? Sure. It doesn't, it doesn't change, Todd. They get to keep doing it. Yeah, I mean, they could just add, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they just add 2020 World Series champion in perpetuity in front of everything they write. You know what? <laughs> Let me tell you something, Todd. We waited a long time for that World Series, and I'm going to bask in it for as long as I can. But it, it's funny because, like, now that you bring this up, I mean, we've, we've spent so much time. If you go back to, like, the original spring training, and we go back and look at March and February, and the conversation was – a lot about the Nationals, more in this area, obviously, Nationals, World Series, defending their World Series title, but then also, you know, the Astros, and that was, those were really the two big storylines, mainly the Astros, though, but here, it, it was a little bit more about the Nationals because we are in D.C., but now we get to get back to that situation, that conversation, where it's actually about the Nationals defending their World Series title, and I'm, I, I, 
it's just, it's been lost in the shuffle and all this where we haven't really we had our moments as, as Nats fans or anybody that's covered the team that wanted to see them win or whatever the case may be to be able to to see it and then it kind of went away and now we're back to that point again where even with all the other stuff going on it's still a conversation of watching the defending world series champion nationals actually play baseball and even in a really short season defend mm. their world series title again yeah it's going to be interesting because it washed away a lot of the things that we were talking about initially in West Palm Beach, will they be tired? Um, kind of looking at what they did with their rotation, right, through the postseason and looking at historical comps of what happens the next year to starting rotations, which is where the Nationals have their might and their money. And typically those guys struggle the next year. Here they've been sitting around this whole time. <laughs> Um, rest is not going to be an issue. The only question is going to be preparation, uh, but that's a universal question now. It's just, it's not just applicable to them. So, you know, we'll see. Back when, at the end of March, when I talked to Max Scherzer, he said he thought this was going to be a legitimate champion because everybody is going through the same thing. And he was less predicating that on the length of season, even though at the time he thought it would be much longer, he thought it'd be hundred plus games and maybe they could play into November, kind of, you know, similar to the proposals we saw from the players, not to give you the shakes, Nick, to say that word again, but you know, when they were saying <laughs> 114 games and we'll keep going, you know, he, he said, he framed it as, look, everyone's going through the same thing. So it's going to be a matter of who's been prepared and been staying prepared during this lull. And then when this does reboot, you know, kind of moving into that kind of hit the ground running kind of idea and then be ready to this for the season to go and execute and, and be fully ready to go there. Um, it's a different circumstance on the individual player. And so Scherzer argued that that's going to be representative of an actual champion, which I agree with for the most part, unless somebody gets hurt, right? Like if, if a, a big name gets hurt because the season's so short, you're, you're going to be in big trouble. But otherwise, it's an interesting idea to think of. And speaking of uh, West Palm Beach and the World Series, uh, flip it around on the Astros. The Nats won't play them during the regular season. They were supposed to, so we won't have that in terms of defending your, your championship. And also, uh, and, and we'll get to the schedule, we'll also get to some stuff on the coronavirus precautions. But uh, I saw no fighting. There's Fighting is prohibited. So if any team wants to, you know, take things into their own hands against the Astros, um, I don't know how the league will handle it, but you're not supposed to get in that. Uh, it's no close hand-to-hand -hand contact. It's actually prohibited. So this is exactly what you do. You throw at them and know that they can't charge the mound because they're going to get in more trouble. <laughs> so it's perfect. This is a great opportunity for everybody this year to just throw at their head the entire time. <laughs> it is funny, though, because the Astros really are a team that's lucked out a lot. I want to say lucked out is probably even a fair word considering everything that's going on, but they are a team that has certainly benefited from the fact that the conversation totally shifted from that being no everything to it not being about the Astros anymore. That's for sure. Yeah, it's not, it is not about them and it will continue to not be about them because there won't be a bunch of fan reaction stories when they get started. And as Chase said that who they play is, is going to be very truncated and different. And, you know, they were, <laughs> They were going to be in for some very interesting road trips, and that's not going to be the case now. And what you're going to see, what you're going to see is uh, how the most committed baseball fan trolls 
that are out there because now what they'll have to do is they'll have to show up outside the stadium and bang their trash cans because they can't get in <laughs> and they have to do it during a pandemic. So you're really going to see like the cream is going to rise to the top in terms of baseball fan hecklers and trolls. Start getting a just get like a plane that flies a banner over whatever stadium the Astros are playing with oh, pictures of trash cans. That's a great games. idea. I mean, listen, I'd be all for that. Let's just get creative. This is what we want to see. If you truly want to troll the Astros, this is an opportunity to test your creativity. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate, not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Northbrook, Illinois. Todd, you mentioned this actually uh, before we started this podcast, too. I, I think it's actually really impressive on your part. Uh, you were reading the entire safety outlines, the guidelines. That's impressive. And you fell asleep during it, which... I think is even more impressive because that shows how long it was and how incredibly boring yet intricate it probably is. Yeah. Uh, well, yesterday was really the last three days have been uh, long work days. So when you start reading a 101 page health protocol operations manual um, at like already sounds boring. Thing, <laughs> after sending the final story, yeah, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to stay hyped about that one. And so, you know, look, they're trying to be as comprehensive as possible. And as I said a few minutes ago, it, there is no perfect solution and there is no blueprint, right? There's no, well, we did this and this worked and this didn't work. There's going to be learning on the fly. I mean, even this morning, we're recording this on Wednesday. This morning, uh, members of the Baseball Writers Association received an email from the president of uh, our association saying that things for us remain fluid and we had gone through um, how it will work for media uh, going forward. We did that about a week ago, um, but that's already starting to change again. And, and there's been some leniency and there's further discussions about what's going to happen with media. Uh, obviously in the grand scale of things, what's going to happen with media is very low, but that being still in flux a little bit, uh, I think speaks to the adaptations that are going to come, right? Like the league tried to come up with every what if scenario they can um, and, and kind of find a way to manage it. What they don't have a way to manage things is there's still no enforcement mechanism and there's still no understanding of, there's always a lag in testing, right? Like we've learned that no matter how, there's no instantaneous test yet. And the league says in 24 to 48 hours, they will have test results and they're predominantly using saliva tests, which generally aren't available to the public. But the oddity is what happens if Max Scherzer is starting on Wednesday and he takes a test on Monday and they find out in the third inning, the test result comes back positive. What happens? Hopefully they plan ahead, you know, and do a test maybe farther in advance for that. But it, you're right. I mean, right, they're, they're, right, right. But if it if it lags, if it whatever, if someone is on the field and a positive result comes back, what is it like? You're calling timeout. You sub them out. You'd have. And to. are they going to be looking? Are they going to be citing HIPAA laws and not telling us why that person came out? You know, it's funny. 
we're, I guarantee we will see something like that happen this year. We're going to see some very strange things. I mean, think of how the NBA season was suspended, right? You basically had a game delayed and then pulled everybody off the court because right you had Rudy Gobert test positive. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's well, been, and, and even and think about what we've already heard. Like, think about the small percentage of players and personnel who were at spring training facilities or at a major league facility working out individually and how many tests, positive tests have already popped up. Like, they announced this last night, right? Like, we reached an agreement. Duh, 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 duh. Five minutes later, Charlie Blackman tests positive for coronavirus. Right. <laughs> But they're also, they're, these guys are going to also be under more strict guidelines when they're with the teams versus these individual workouts. Yes, but the underlying factor here, and, and it always will be, is human nature. You are trying to turn basically thousands of humans into robots for a three-month period because the problem is one slip-up, has a massive domino effect, has the potential for a massive domino effect, right. right? And you're trying to minimize that in all cases. Major League Baseball is similar to real life. There are smart people in the clubhouse. There are average brain power people in the clubhouse, and there are low brain power people in the clubhouse. Um, just like in media, where there's predominantly low brain power people. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. How there's dare a, you? There's a blend of what's going on and some of those guys for instance have problems retaining the signs but they're major leaguers right and so <laughs> they there's a lot in the health and safety protocol that is kind of like is reliant on self-reliance and these guys are going to have to try to follow the rules and they're going to have to maintain certain things and a lot of it is going to rest on them to be doing the right thing day after day after day, team after team after team, city after city after city, and that's going to be a challenge for the league. Well, I mean, I have I have my concerns. I feel like this would be probably a lot easier to pull off at a central location like the NBA is doing in Disney World. You know, it's just so many people to take into account. Like I saw spring trainings can have up to 60 players. You know, the it, rosters are going to be expanded. You've heard basically already 40 players and staff members across baseball have tested positive, like eight or more on the Phillies alone. Um, you mentioned Charlie Blackman. The way I see it is all, all it is going to take is a few Aubrey Huff. You guys have seen how Aubrey Huff has been tweeting about this, like basically saying that you know, he doesn't think the masks are um, something he needs to follow. He, he, he just basically his gone completely against the rules that have been suggested in terms of wearing masks and social distancing. Now, Aubrey, well, Huff is, Aubrey, Aubrey Huff has said a lot of things. Let's be honest with yes, ourselves here. But specific to this, <laughs> he's, he's become a big sort of conspiracy theorist on this and is sort of defiant against it. And he was a big leaguer just a few years ago. And just imagine, first of all, if he was tweeting like this and he was an active big leaguer, how big of a problem that would be for the league. But also I would imagine there are you know, there's some percentage of baseball players that feel the same way he does that uh, maybe feel exactly the way he does. And all it's going to take is a few people to ruin it for everyone. And I think all the players are going to have to remember is that this is not about them. It's about the collective. And really, it's not going to take much to shut this whole thing down if, you know, say 15% of the league doesn't mind the, the mask rules and goes to supermarkets and does do all these things that exposes expose them to coronavirus. So, 
Um, it could be a really, really slippery slope. I mean, baseball is getting very creative with some of their things, like, you know, players keeping distance in the dugout, uh, in the bullpen. You know, there's this wet rag rule where uh, pitchers aren't licking their fingers. They're going to have a wet rag. And wet rag, it had me thinking, you know, uh, if Nick Ashley was pitching, he could just use his handshake. Uh, <laughs> By the way, you know, you know handshakes are illegal now anyway. We can't do that. So you can't That's even true. use that joke that anymore. True. I'm Mike Tirico, and on the next episode of Sports Uncovered. Sean Taylor had the big plays, the big hits, the big moments for the Washington Redskins. But that all came to a tragic immediate end in November of 2007. He died saving the life of the two loves of his life. He died a man. Subscribe to Sports Uncovered for free wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, you know, we did talk about, of course, the 60-game season, which is like the big thing. There's a lot of rule changes uh, that are coming this year, and some may be long-term. We know 60 games certainly won't be long-term. You hope that we have a full season next year. But there's a lot of different things that baseball fans are going to have to get used to. I mean, let's start with the 60-game. I want to look at some of these rules and just kind of – we need to figure out whether these are good or bad for the Nats because some of these will certainly affect the Nats in a positive way. Some of them negative. Some we might be able to just kind of say, yeah, it might just be the same for every team. But the 60-game season to me, Todd, I want to start with you. Is that good or bad for the Nationals? I think <laughs> I think it's – I'll say it's good. Um, they're a veteran team. There's not a lot that needs to be figured out there. Uh, they know, again, where their strength is, and that's in starting pitching. Also, you know, we are talking about in spring training how many – positions were open for them and it's not many um so you know we think start thinking about third base again suddenly right like carter keboom and struble cabrera what's going on over there and i do think in this way it's good for them they're an older team and this is a very short season and i also think that you could probably give keboom a shot at third and have as Drupal in your pocket without kind of like drawing it out too far I guess the flip side of that is if you have a guy who has one bad week one bad week means so much now that do you take that risk and do you do you instead go with the guy that you're pretty sure will give you consistent performance but I think overall because of the age and experience on the roster I think the 60 games is good for them you know it should theoretically help their health uh, and and that was one of the main concerns for them before the season began yeah, I think it's good uh, for the Nationals for some of the same reasons. I think the the health of a Max Scherzer, a Ryan Zimmerman, a Howie Kendrick, Jan Gomes, these guys, uh, the likelihood is greater that they'll be able to hold up over a short season. Also, I think starting pitching is still going to be really important. It might even be more important. A lot of people have said that, you know, bullpens are going to be relied on more. Well, starting pitchers, they're still going to get the same percentage of games that they'll start. It's about 12 now out of 60, one, uh, you know, every fifth day. But those games will be magnified like the playoffs, and starting pitching becomes so much more important in the playoffs, you could argue. Uh, and even if that's not the case, and a lot of these theories are correct, that you know managers will have to get a lot more creative with their bullpen, well, the Nationals have a guy at manager who's proven he could be pretty creative when it comes to that stuff, and that is Davey Martinez. So I think that could work in their favor. So I think it's good for the Nationals. What about you, Nick? 
I, 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 when we talk about health, I mean, clearly a shorter season, you get away from the, the grind of a long baseball season in an older team like the Nats. I, I'm with you guys in that sense. The only thing that worries me is that's us assuming that they go into the start of the season healthy. I mean, we've seen them have issues in spring training before, especially just last season, where these guys are getting hurt before the season even starts. So if you get put in a position, if you're the Nationals, like last year, where you deal with a lot of injuries, even let's just say a, a smaller percentage of the injuries that they had last year to start the year, you don't have the luxury of starting off 12 games under 500 and having plenty of time to sort of rebound, even if you're just in playoff mode since May. And I don't know if you guys know this, but the Nats started off, I think, I think it was 19 and 31. I think I've, I've heard that once. That is time. correct. Right. Thank you. I, I don't know if anybody's ever talked about that before, but like, that's my only concern <laughs> yeah. is that you don't have Things that leeway. You don't have that opportunity to say, all right, well, we still got a hundred games left in the baseball season. You got 60 games, man. Like you, this is, this puts more of a premium on every single game and every single decision that's made in every game because it's so much shorter. And clearly it's still 60 games versus, you know, let's say you're looking at football and talking about 16, but like, that's what everybody talks about with the football season, right? You go through it and say every week is important because the season is so short. Each game means more. Each game is now going to mean more for the Nationals. So you've got to hope that they get off to a healthy and strong start to keep that pace because they've got a really tough schedule that they're going to have to deal with. Uh, the second well, one that – Real quick. Yeah. Real quick. I, I saw some interesting numbers based on the schedule. So it's 37% of the games that you usually play, and that means that each game will be 2.7 times as valuable. Why are you doing math? Chase, no math. That's way too <laughs> this is interesting. interesting. Remember, Todd, Todd talked about the different IQs of people in media. I, I, don't, I don't need math. It's, it's not, <laughs> not going to work for me. Uh, the D, Universal DH is the second one. It looks like that's only going to be this season. They talked about it being longer. I mean, who knows? I'm, I could see some of these things still changing, especially that because it's been talked about for years. Does the Universal DH, Todd, benefit or hurt the Nationals? Definitely benefits. They, they had a crowded infield um, and they would, uh, speaking of Davey Martinez's creativity, finding a way to get Howie Kendrick on the field, uh, you know, for 300 plate appearances, finding a way to get Ryan Zimmerman on the field for 250 plate appearances, Eric Thames, um, again, using as Drupal, uh, it, it, it helps them tremendously. Uh, you have a switch hitter, you have a, a very experienced right-handed hitter, two very experienced right-handed hitters in, in Kendrick and Zimmerman. You have the Kurt Suzuki, Jan Gomes situation. We expect Jan Gomes to catch a lot more and Kurt Suzuki to kind of be more of a pinch hitter, could be a DH, you know, he'll be behind the plate sometimes. So definitely helps the Nationals. I would say top five in the entire league um, among teams who should benefit from having the DH in place in the, in the National League. See, I think this is bad for the Nationals. And the reason why is it looks like their schedule is going to include 20 games against the AL East, right? So that's a third of their games. So the Nationals went through an entire offseason not knowing there was going to be a designated hitter. So they didn't design their roster for it, right? And now they're going to go up against these teams that their rosters are designed for it, like the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Rays uh, in particular. So I think it would have been a better advantage for them if it was universal no DH, because then those teams would have to play by their rules, which is what you often see in interleague play. It's not generally uh, one side and not the other for the entire season. The Nationals don't get that you know, luxury of when you play the Yankees, Garrett Cole has to hit. They're at a disadvantage in the sense that you're right. Other teams 
have built their roster specifically with maybe one or two DHs in mind. But if you're looking at other teams that are in the National League that had no preparation and really no roster built anywhere close to it, I'd say the Nats have an advantage over National League teams that weren't prepared to necessarily have a universal DH, but now having it, they've got the roster where they can move some pieces around, which they are ready to plan in on doing on the infield anyway, to now have somebody play that DH position. So they may not have the advantage, let's say, like the Yankees or, or somebody in the American League would have, but they at least have an advantage over other National League teams. Speaking of the Yankees, the schedule for the Nationals will include the AL East. you got the Orioles and Red Sox, Yankees, Rays, and Blue Jays as part of this now. It's going to be weird because you're only going to play a few teams. You play the NL East and the AL East to make travel easier. Uh, the AL East is good. And this schedule just got a whole lot harder for the Nationals in a short amount of time. Todd, advantage or disadvantage with the schedule for the uh, Nationals? Yeah, definitely a disadvantage from what it was. You have a 103-win Yankees team. You have Tampa Bay Rays, who won 96 games last year. The Red Sox, even though they moved Mookie Betts, you know, they could still pull off some things. The Blue Jays should be better. They have a lot of young talent, um, and they're going to be a fun team in a couple of years. Then you have the Orioles, who could go winless this season. TBD. <laughs> uh, yeah, how many games are they going to win? Like that would five? be amazing. The over-under is five, yes. Five uh, and 55. <laughs> there you go. Um, but so, you know, in the, in the rotation in, for the original 2020 schedule, they were going to play the AL West, which meant you deal with Houston, as Chase mentioned. Um, very good Oakland team. But then in the Rangers, who are mediocre, the Angels, who are mediocre, and certainly the Mariners, who have been very poor for a very long time, something I can personally speak to. Um, from a prior iteration of this media life. Uh, and um, the Mariners are now own the longest playoff drought in the four major sports. So uh, those guys, those guys are out. And obviously Atlanta is going to be very good. You're dealing with it in the division anyway. Philadelphia remains meh to me. The Mets will be interesting. Uh, as if, not just in the Metsing way that they're typically interesting. <laughs> their, their, their personnel is, is pretty interesting. And um, geez, even Miami should be better. So, you know, the schedule is going to be a, a, a rough and tumble 60 games for the Nationals. My answer to this is twofold. Um, from a baseball perspective, I actually would argue it's good because they have – two of the worst teams in baseball they can beat up on, the Orioles and the Marlins. That's, uh, I think it's going to be 14 of their 60 games. Uh, they also play the Mets and the Blue Jays, who I think are going to be mediocre. The Phillies, you know, we'll see. I don't think they're a very deep roster. You've got the Yankees, Braves, uh, Rays, and Red Sox. Uh, those are really good teams. But you don't have to play, you know, the Dodgers or the Astros. Remember there was like uh, – there was one of these proposed division alignments that had the Nationals, I think, in the same division as the Astros um, and the Dodgers, I think are going to be loaded. I think they have to be the favorite going into this season, especially in a truncated season where I think, you know, the high end talent is really going to show itself. That's from a baseball perspective, from a safety perspective. I think this is really bad for the nationals because there are by my count, two teams in the state of Florida, right? Uh, the nationals have to play both of them. They have to play the Marlins and the Rays. And where does it seem like uh, the coronavirus is more rampant than anywhere else in America right now? Uh, certainly Florida's on the list. Uh, it kind of reminds me of like 
it, you, you walk into like your high school math class and there's two kids who are like coughing and sneezing and like everyone knows they're sick and your assigned desk is right next to them. And you're just like, oh, this is, this is perfect. Hey, this is every, hey, that's Chase, every flight I've ever taken. You're going to sit next God. to me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. The sniffling guy next to you. Look, the schedule got harder for them. The, 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 uh, the Nationals division is certainly better, but the AL East does have a lot, of, a lot of talented teams there too. You do bring up a good point though, Chase. I, it's funny too because we think about it. It's like now Florida's the hot spot, and we're looking at New York as like the safe place, right, where they're like, hey, they should be doing more in New York. They're like, this was literally but they also the opposite. Both, they also have both New York teams, so if things go back to, you know, if that, if that becomes an epicenter again, then, they, you know, they'll have it from both sides. Are they going to have to play virtual baseball at some point? Like, is that <laughs> right? They'll do that. They're just going to have Zoom meetings and they're going to play baseball. It's going to be like World of Warcraft, where they're actually just <laughs> dictating the moves and speaking them out loud over a Zoom meeting. Yeah, it's it, it is definitely a daunting task. Which again, you look at that sixty-game schedule, and you cannot get off to a slow start if you're the Nationals. So they've got to make sure one that they're healthy in spring training, and two they're ready to go and get off to a strong start because you cannot come back from a, you know, being 12 games under 500 with this. I do love, I love the runner starting on second in extra innings. I know it's a little gimmicky. I know baseball traditionalists are mad about it. I don't care. I wrote about it at NBCSportsWashington.com. I think it's going to be so exciting and adds an extra layer of, of strategy and just something new. And if you're Major League Baseball, this is the one year, just like with every other sport. We'll see what the NFL does. But the NBA and the NHL, at least, this is an opportunity for you to try something new, come up with some new rules that you say, maybe this is something in a full season we'd like to do. I don't know. Let's be a little experimental. I think everybody needs to keep an open mind with some of these things because of the uniqueness of the season we're in. Todd, I absolutely love it. I know you'll probably skewer me for loving it, but I don't care. So I, 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 I don't even know. That was an evil laugh, by the way. That was very, like, 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 like evil Disney movie boss type laugh. Yeah. Um, like, in fact, my, my immediate reaction to that, to the runner on second base is like, it, it, is the coach going to pitch in that inning too? Or what, what are we doing? So, you know, and I also find it tremendously humorous that in the season that is like almost a third of a normal season, it, they finally think, let's find a way to shorten the game. Like, what? what? Shouldn't you be doing this during the 162-game season? Eliminate. Maybe this is something that they end up doing. They've been doing it in the minors, so this is a chance for them to try to sneak the rule in in the majors. Yeah, so in a vacuum, I think it's terrible. I don't want to see it. it, it None it of this response surprises me, by the way. However, this is a 60-game season where I think just about everything is silly. And um, to claim that you're the champion is going to be silly. The MVP could be somebody who had three good weeks. You know, he's going to be – the MVP could be that guy who in April everyone is writing about and like, wow, he hit 10 home runs out of the box, right? And then he makes somehow – then he teeters down, he makes the all-star game, and then the second Bernard half – Bernard could have been an all-star last year. Right, like hits like six home runs, right? Like this is, this is what we're looking at. I, I – just to put it in perspective a little bit, this is a little bit off the beaten path. If Sean Doolittle pitches in 40% of the games, you know, he's making 24 appearances. Last year, he pitched in 39% of the games when he was overused out of necessity. 
So like this is the small sample size that we're going to be dealing with individually in such a small season. That's why I say the whole thing on a whole on the whole is kind of silly. So if you're going to introduce a silly rule like this, um, then I agree with your concept that it should be introduced during a silly season. And that's what this is. So we're not in a vacuum. So, you know, I'll live with it. And I, I can think of worse things than sitting there for 15 innings on a Tuesday. See, there um, we go. Chase, he's slowly starting to come over. Just He dipped his toe in the water of, of, of weirdness. He's trying <laughs> just a little something different. This is yeah, how we get you started. If they, if, yeah, if they try to slide this in next year or in the next CBA, then I will be going fully no, 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 and stamping around with my arms folded. I can't, will you hold your you breath, know, too? I'm holding my breath yeah. until you change the rule. <laughs> I, um, I, I like it because you still have walk-offs and it also gives me something to hang over the heads of young sports writers. I haven't had anything like this cause I'm still like young enough where, you know, I went to regular season baseball nationals games that were like 16 innings long, 18 innings long. Now I have my story where, you know, I walked uh, both ways uphill to, to elementary school <laughs> in the snow. Uh, so Fair I can fun. do that. But also I, I do think this, this probably, I think it might, hurt the nationals because i feel like it puts more pressure on the bullpen and that's going to be again a concern even though i think their bullpen will be better so i if i if we're going in that perspective i would say it'd probably be bad for the nats yeah i mean anything involving the nats bullpen we know until otherwise proven it's going to be a problem because we've as we know we've had that conversation about the nats bullpen for a long time todd todd's raising his hand furiously are you going (laughs) to pull your arm out of the socket what todd it just occurred to me we should call this the Fernando Rodney rule. <laughs> yes. Because every yes. appearance he had, someone basically ended up on second anyway. <laughs> That's All a right, great so we're call. it now. This is the Fernando Rodney rule, or Fernando Rodney strategy, maybe rule. Rule's probably better. This is Todd's yeah, idea. I like it. It's now like called it. the Fernando so Rodney be rule. Right? Base, no matter what, if you come to the game. Make sure you, make sure you get that in writing. I did write about it, so maybe I'll add that in there as a note. Like, this article has been updated. Todd Dibas has created this as the Fernando Rodney rule, so let's make sure we have that coined and established in writing now. I, I just there, – there's nothing – a little PM on there, a little trademark logo. Thank you. There, I, I know it's the walk uphill both ways and you're barefoot in the snow chase, but there is just nothing worse than sitting through a 15-inning baseball game with, like, two teams that are 10 games under 500. In the, and a normal season – I know everything's different now, but, like, I think back to normal seasons, you think, like – early July, mid-July, something there, and it's like two teams that are 15, 10, 15 games under 500, and it's going 15 innings. You're like, neither one of these teams is going to come close to making the playoffs. This is ridiculous, and no one scored in seven innings. If we can make fun of a scoreless 90-minute soccer game in this country, then we should all be able to come together and, and say that seven straight innings of extra innings scoreless baseball between two bad teams falls in the same category. Unless it's like, the only rule I want, Sorry, Chase. The only rule I want to see is ban the rain delay. <laughs> Where's that? So what? If Make it rains play for ten it. minutes, then you just cancel the game. How does that work? Yeah, yeah just yeah, just just keep going. Just keep going to the rain. <laughs> yes, it's the wiffle rain. balls. You know, it's that is rain. an interesting thought, though, because if you do have that this year, you have fewer days off, and the schedule is so condensed, it's going to be hard. I mean, you're going to be cramming in more double headers when you, if you start getting a bunch of rain delays or you know games postponed because of that. Don't say that word, Nick. I'm sorry. <laughs> now I'm scared. <laughs> By the way, trades. I know you wrote about this, Todd. Trades yeah. in a 60-game season is yeah. 
I, I don't even know if this is a benefit or doesn't benefit the Nationals. To me, it's just like it's going to be so complicated. And, and is it, there's no way any team is going to look at their roster and say, okay, we're going to go for what, like a 30-day rental on a player and then possibly lose them and give up a bunch of prospects. And it's just going to be harder to scout prospects with no minor league games. There, there's so much in this. Like, I feel like if you're Major League Baseball, you kind of had to put that in there to allow teams the freedom to make some sort of moves. But it's going to be really difficult for any team, even Mike Rizzo, who always finds ways of the deadline to bring in pieces that seem to help this team, even if it's a Band-Aid, even if it's short-term. He makes these moves that you just go, okay, I see. Like, I really do. I have confidence in Mike Rizzo with – 95% of the decisions he makes transactually, but it's just going to be really difficult for teams to analyze anything this year. Yeah, I agree with you that it needs to be there for flexibility. I also think that it's going to basically be moot. Um, certainly it, it would turn possibly an owner into a hypocrite if they weren't already, uh, if they take on money in this season, right? Like they're talking about how they just spent months fighting the players about giving them money because they're talking about how much money they're losing. So are you going to tell your GM or is your GM going to decide to move prospects to take on salary in a 60 game season? And you're taking on the salary for essentially a, a month. Like I, I don't, I don't foresee that happening. I don't foresee people wanting to move prospects, especially because the off season free agency is probably going to be super weird. Um, and, and, driven down again in an odd climate. So, you know, if people aren't going to want to pay, then they're going to want to keep their in-house guys and see what they can draw from there. So I, I, I think, it ha I guess I think it had to be in there, but it wouldn't be so foreign to play two months of baseball without a trade deadline. We play two months of baseball without trades every year. The trade deadline is July 31st, and then you play August and September, and there are are no trades now that baseball came to a census about having a single trade deadline. So as like a word snob, it had always bothered me that they called something a deadline. And then there was a second thing. It's not a deadline. Do it again. Non-waiver and the waiver trade deadline. Yeah. So, so now there's an actual deadline and there is two months of baseball without trades. And it, and it seems like that could have just been fine in this scenario. I think it's uh, potentially very bad for keeping players safe because you're talking right. about trading players during a pandemic and extra travel and uprooting families. It's already very, very difficult under normal circumstances. But I think this is good for the Nationals because, as I mentioned, they didn't go through the offseason with some of these rule changes in mind, uh, with a truncated season in mind. So that gives Mike Rizzo the opportunity to remake his roster if he feels that they need a DH or if he feels that uh, they are lack, lacking uh, behind the other teams uh, when it comes to bullpen depth or if there is an injury. Um, because I think the truncated season, teams are, some teams are going to be left behind in the playoff race very, very quickly. I mean, if you start out like 2-10, and 10, you know, you're done. There's, there's no recovering. So I think there's going to be teams that become sellers. And if the Nationals, as long as they're in the race, uh, you know, they'll have an opportunity to add some pieces when, you know, the circumstances have changed and they might need to make some changes to uh, sort of adapt to this new form of baseball that they're going to be playing. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how some of these changes are, one, embraced by the masses, but two, how teams adapt to them and, and see how that goes in a short period of time. So, again, if you're Major League Baseball, this is an opportunity to try new things and some of it will be good. 
Some of it won't work and you'll say, never going to try that again. But give yourself the opportunity to at least slip in some new ideas now and see if it works because nothing's normal this year. And, and that's just going to be the reality of the situation. Um, I have one parting shot this time, Chase. Nice. I have a parting shot and it's, it's actually very simple for me. And it's, and it is disappointment. I'll, I'll be honest with you because I look at the schedule and I think what was supposed to happen July 4th weekend, the Astros were supposed to be in town and the nationals were supposed to be hosting the Astros. And all I wanted to do was go to Nats park and bang a trash can. That's all I wanted to do. So, so many Nationals fans now are going to lose out on the opportunity at least this year. So we have delayed gratification with this. At some point down the road, we'll have the opportunity. But to have the Astros in Nats Park, to not only look at them and say, we beat your cheating asses, but also we know you cheated and we're going to taunt you the entire time on July 4th weekend, which baseball and July 4th weekend just go hand in hand to me like hot dogs and, and fireworks do. Baseball is a part of that. To not have that is probably one of the most disappointing parts of all this. But at some point, we will have that opportunity. It's just a shame we won't have it in a couple of weeks. <laughs> what type of trash can were you going to take to Nationals Park? One that I could sneak in somehow, some way, and they wouldn't kick me out. I don't know what it would be, but I would just say, <laughs> I know Todd Dibus, so I'm coming in, and it's fine. And I would say, it was your idea, Todd, and I'd be totally fine with it. But a loud trash can would be the key, yes. Yeah, just drop Todd's name. It always works, every single time. Todd makes friends everywhere he goes. All right, my, my, parting shot, my, my parting shot is a quick one. Um, you guys see my boy was in, is in the news right now, Guy Fieri? You guys no, see why? So uh, there's, you know, a lot of discussion about renaming things that are named after people from history. And um, Columbus, Ohio, after Christopher Columbus, is one of them. And there's a petition that's gaining some steam to rename it Flavortown. Yes. And I am, I am personally all on board. Flavortown, Ohio. Let's Flavortown, Ohio. Could you imagine? Oh, <laughs> uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes, their home field in Flavortown, Ohio. <laughs> you are looking live. You are looking live at Flavortown, Ohio, Todd. <laughs> Any parting shot, Todd, or are you just going to not play the game again? Nope. Don't have one. His favorite bit. <laughs> You're no fun, Todd. Have something for us. Did you at least do like yard work or anything that's interesting? Yeah, I wouldn't call that interesting, but it, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, I have been, I'll say this, I have been going over to Virginia because the rims are up and available over there. So I have <laughs> been back on a basketball court that has rims back to back days for the first time in months. How's that so, jump shot looking? Yeah, how's the J? Uh, it looks like it was not used for months. It was, it was good. It had a good first day. It had a good first day. It had a not-so-good day yesterday. And so it goes. But that's why you go back day after day after day. Uh, I always told myself, the day that I make everything, it will be the day that I stop playing. Um, and obviously, that day has not come yet. Chase, I, I picture Todd having a Sean Marion-like jump shot right now. So yes, right. I think that's probably what it is. Just trying to get anything to go at the rim. Please, just go in. Uh, yeah. Now this is this this is amazing that we're actually having conversation about future baseball. And let's keep our fingers crossed and hope that we get through an entire season. Uh, and hell, the Nationals continue to be talking about uh, being defending World Series champions for another season after this. So Todd can once again be angry at social media for continuing to call them that. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to the National Stock Podcast, make sure you do in all the places that you subscribe uh, to podcasts. Check us out on all the socials as well. For Todd Dibus, Chase Hughes, Nick Ashew, 
See you next time on the Nats Talk Podcast. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.